Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Eastside Church Online. My name is Preston. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm so thankful that you are with us this morning for worship. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, Malik. Hola. That's him. That's him. It's really him. I am him. It really is him. And uh, hey, we are excited you're here wherever you're joining us from, whether the area or around the world. We're excited to be together for worship this morning. Malik, why don't you jump over here, brother? That was a long jump, but you made it. Yeah, you, we did you it. You did it. Hey, we want to be friends with you. So uh, why don't you fill out that connect form when you do? You give us the opportunity to learn a little bit about you. Uh, maybe you can ask about what it looks like to be involved here at Eastside. Mm-hmm. What's the most important thing about that connect most form? The most important part is that we get to create a little community, and you get funny jokes like this one. Are you ready? When, or excuse me, what did Adam say to Eve when handing her something to wear? Take it or leave it. Ha. Uh, most importantly, that is not part of the Connect form at all. What I was going to say, Malik, is we can pray with you. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> we can pray with you. So fill that out. Let us know how we can be joining you in prayer this yes. week. Hey, Malik, what why don't you let us know what's happening today? What's happening today? Well, let me tell you. Today, we're going to be talking about how light wins with peace. So why don't you hang up and hang out, open the good book to Luke chapter 2, and look at verses 25 through 32. So go ahead and uh, go ahead and do that. Yeah, yeah, I liked your rhyme. Hang up and hang out. That's really, that's really good. That's yeah. really good. Unless you're on your phone watching us. In that case, don't hang up. Anyway, you get it. <laughs> Pay attention. Uh, that's what we're getting at. Here's the reality. I know many of us are in the middle of a season of, of chaos, right? There's a lot going on in our world and in our lives personally. And so this morning as we get started, uh, Malika and I wanted to just set aside a moment for us to breathe deeply together. Uh, to allow ourselves to be present where we're at, wherever you might find yourself this morning, whether that be at home or somewhere else. We want you to be present with us in worship today uh, because we all know uh, that God desires to connect with us wherever we might find ourselves. So if you would, let's just breathe deeply for a minute. And you might uh, even whisper a prayer of sorts, something like this, uh, Jesus, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord to be here, present, to discover what it is you have for me today. Um, we, uh, we're here to worship, right? We're here to engage with the Holy Spirit, and we want to allow space in our lives uh, for God to work in and through us, whatever that might look like today. Uh, Malik, we're glad they're here, right? Yes. And I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> yes. And hey, this service is about to get started. Why don't Sounds you good. jump over there and get ready to direct it very carefully, very Maybe just walk. Maybe just walk. There's a desk, so it's dangerous. One of these days, we'll have to give you a behind-the-scenes tour of this place, but uh, not today. Hey, we're glad you're here. As I mentioned before, go ahead and fill out that Connect form. Let us know how we can be joining you in prayer. And if you'd like, make sure you let me know in the chat, especially on Church Online. I'd love to even start up a prayer chat with you right now if that would be meaningful for you. Whatever the case may be, I'm glad you're here, and I will look forward to connecting with some of you today in the chat. back there. (laughs) It is so great to be with you this morning. My name is Heather Lake Bays, and we are all so excited to share with you this worship set that hopefully will help you focus on the reason for this season, which is Emmanuel, God with us. Will you stand with us this morning? And online community, hi, grab your coffee. We would love to have you join in worship with us this morning, and we're glad you're joining us this morning. Stay. 
morning to worship together as the family of God yes. during this season that we just all love. I don't, I don't think I've ever met a person that doesn't love Christmas time, the joy that it brings with the knowledge that God gave us his son. As I reflect on the season of Christmas and even this week as we're preparing our music, I kept coming back to the, the title of Jesus uh, in my mind that I love the most and it, it's... Um, it's Prince of Peace. Just think about yes. that for a second. What does that mean to you? That Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I don't think anybody in this room would deny that we live in a world that's pretty far from peaceful <laughs> at the moment. As you watch the news, as you drive down the highway, <laughs> there is tumult wars, there is anger, there is frustration, there is division, yet we serve a God who sent us the Prince of Peace and who called us as his people, as his children, as his family to inhabit peace, to ask the Holy Spirit into our lives, to, to ask Jesus to be so entrenched in who we are that we are peace to the people around us. Uh, there's an author that I, that I really like. I love to read. Um, one of my favorite authors, his name is Brian Zond. And he, he posted something on social media this week that just really, it really stuck with me. It really got me thinking. And he says this, once you set foot upon the theological notion that God's will is to be established through the means of brute political power, you have ventured upon a path that will take you further and further away from the kingdom of the heavens announced and enacted by Jesus Christ. I love that thought, that we live in a world where it's been for centuries about conquering each other. But Jesus came as a baby. He didn't come with plans to be a political ruler. He didn't come with plans to conquer a worldly kingdom. He came as the Prince of Peace to show us what it means to love each other, to show us what it means to forgive one another, to show us grace and mercy and kindness. It's, it's a kingdom unlike any other kingdom in our world today. As we sing this next song, we're going to reflect on that idea that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was born humbly in a manger and yet can reign in our lives like no other king. You could have stepped into creation with fire for all to see. Brought every tribe and nations to their knees Arriving with the host of heaven In royal robe and crown The rulers of the earth all bowing down But you chose meekness over majesty Wrapped your power in
Jesus, we started this time of worship and recognition of you by saying, Emmanuel, God with us, the Savior of the world is born. And we want to shout that out because it's your presence and your peace. You never leave us. You left the Spirit for us. You said that to the disciples when they question, where are you going? We don't want you to go. Jesus, I think in this holiday season, from my parents passing in the last year, the one thing I know is they are in your presence just now as we speak, singing praises, enjoying your presence. And Lord, help us to remember that's a reality, that's a real thing when we die. But in the meantime, you said you have left us with the friend, the spirit of God that we call on night and day, day and night. We are never alone. 
In John 14, he said, my peace I leave with you. I do not leave you as the world does. I do not leave you bereft or abandoned. Anyone today, Lord, feeling confused, sad, frustrated, depressed, numb, you are in the frustration, the numbness, the depression, the sickness. You are there. You are holding our hand with every pain and every fear and every moment of suffering and every moment of questioning and every moment of doubt. So we just want to be with you, King of glory, Prince of peace. Thank you for this time and we bless your name and we honor you with our lives. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, Eastside. We're so glad to see you here with us. If this is your first time worshiping with us, welcome. And if you've been worshiping with us for quite some time, welcome as well. So why don't you go ahead and fill out that Connect form by scanning the QR code on the back of the chair in front of you. When you fill out that Connect card, you not only let us know you're here, you can also let us know how we can pray for you or how you wanna get more involved. And for those of you that are new, when you fill out that Connect form, we have a handmade mug from Eastside Studios waiting for you in the info area. If you're not sure where the info area is, anyone wearing one of these lanyards will gladly help you find it. If you're online, just follow the Connect link provided in the chat. Now, on, on to the, the announcements. announcements. <laughs> Christmas is only a couple weeks away, and as you make your holiday plans, we hope that you will plan to join us for one of our two Christmas Eve services. There will be one Sunday morning at 10.45 and the other at 6 p.m. on December 24th. Invite your entire family and your friends to join us as we celebrate the joy of Christmas. On Sunday mornings, December 24th and 31st, we will invite children to join us for family worship experiences. We will offer just one service on December 31st at 10.45 a.m. We hope to see you there. It's not too late to serve with Operation Love to help struggling families provide Christmas for their children. We still have openings to serve through this Saturday, December 16th. You can find out more information about getting involved at es.church slash Christmas. As 2023 draws to a close, it's not too late to make an impact through your giving. Your support for the ministries of Eastside make a difference both here and around the world. You can give through our Eastside app or on our website at es.church slash give. If you're on campus, there are also boxes in the back of the worship center to drop off cash or checks. Thank you so much for your faithful support to the mission and the work of the Holy Spirit through Eastside. None of this can happen without you. If you're interested in learning more about anything we discuss, just visit our website, es.church, or download the Eastside Church Center app. And be sure to check us out on the socials too. We're on Instagram at es.church and Facebook at Eastside Church of God Anderson. And don't forget to scan that QR code and fill out the Connect form. Have a great week, Eastside! <laughs> I don't know if you've ever met anybody like this guy or not. Um, when I was growing up, we had a guy we used to call the peanut guy. And the peanut guy showed up at all of our high school events with bags of boiled peanuts. Now, it was Mississippi, and people down there like boiled peanuts. I don't particularly care for boiled peanuts, just to let you know. They're kind of slimy in my world. I'm not real excited about them. But he would show up at every ball game. He would show up at uh, every band concert. Um, he, he would just constantly be there selling his peanuts. And it got to be a, a, a joke among the students in the school and their parents. Well, there's the peanut man again. There's the peanut man again. And it was just always kind of like making fun of the peanut man. Uh, until one day, I, I got a chance to actually talk to him. I'd gotten to a basketball game early. He was there, and he wouldn't go away, all right? When you're 18 years old and an old guy comes and sits down next to you, it's like he, he just he wouldn't go away. And so I would talk to him for a little bit, and I learned he really was a pretty good guy. He, he actually sold those peanuts as a way of contributing to missions in the life of his church. Now, I tell you that story because there's a story in the Christmas story that you may not know or you may skip over because most years at Christmas, we're so fascinated by 
you know, Mary and Joseph and the angel Gabriel and, and the shepherds and the wise men and the star, that, that we sometimes miss one of the most important stories in all of Scripture. It's, it's about a guy who was kind of like the peanut man. He was always there. <laughs> he just was every day. Every day he'd get up, he'd leave his, he'd leave his home, and he would go down to the, the center of town. His town was Jerusalem. And in the center of town there was the temple. And every, every day, he would go down to the temple. Now, the, the scriptures tell us, and we'll read it in just a minute in Luke chapter 2, that he was a devout and righteous man, which means he had a reason for why he was going to the temple all the time. See, somewhere along the way in his life, he had, he had come to recognize his dependence upon God. And he had developed this, this relationship with God where he could where he could understand and he could hear God's voice and discern what was the difference between his own inclination or his culture's Im impact and the voice of God. See, that's, that's a really important thing to learn. To, to be able to learn the difference between the voices of your culture and the voices of your friends and the voices of your coworkers or, or what you read on, on the internet or what you hear on television to, to be able to discern the difference in the cultural norms and values and the voice of God. Because the voice of God, to be very candid with you, if you spend much time in Scripture, you discover, as Mike was helping us understand today, that the voice of God is just vastly, vastly different than the voice of culture. Even, I'm going to get out on a limb a little bit, so please don't saw it off behind me, but, but a little bit more than the Christian culture we've created in the United States in the last few years. And by few, I mean the last hundred, okay? Because a hundred years in the history of humanity is relatively young. And so this man, whose name is Simeon, is able to, to make the discernment. And, and when he makes that discernment, it, it, he hears God telling him a couple of things. One is that he should stay devout. Stay righteous. Stay connected to God. But the other thing God tells him, which is rather curious, is that he will not die until he sees the Messiah. And so he's trying to think, where would the Messiah be, right? Well, if, if this is God's son, maybe, maybe you ought to go to God's house, <laughs> And so he, every morning, gets up and he goes down to the temple and he wanders through the temple courts and, and every day he's looking at the people as he's going. And, and because he goes every day, then, then you know there are people who, like I said, who are treating him like we used to treat the peanut man. It's just kind of like, what is this guy doing? Because here's what he would do. He would walk through the temple courts and as he would walk through the temple courts, he, he, would, he would look at every baby. That's kind of creepy, Okay. And he would kind of go up to, to young moms because, see, in the Hebrew culture, when you, had a, when you had your first child, your first male child, it was a part of the religious experience and the religious culture there that you would bring that child to that temple, no matter where you live. And you would, at a certain time, you would bring, if you couldn't get to temple, you would go to synagogue, but there was a, there was a sacrifice that you needed to make to thank God for the gift of this child. And so... Every day he would go, and he's looking at all the young moms. Does this sound creepy yet? All right. Every day he's walking up to people, and he's, and he's looking at their babies, and he's saying, hey, wait a minute. I'm like, okay, so now you're getting to understand. He's, he's coming in every day, but here's why he's doing it. He knows God hasn't forgotten Israel. You see, his entire life, when he lived, when this story is recorded in Luke chapter 2, about the birth of Jesus. See, the birth of Jesus happened less than 100 years after the Roman army had occupied Israel. And so we don't really know how old Simeon was. A lot of people will call him old just because of the fact that he was righteous and devout. I've met some old people who are not righteous or devout. I'll just let you know. And what I found out is that we don't really know Simeon's age. In fact, this is... This is the only time in all of the Bible that we hear about this guy. But he's there for one reason. That's for all of us and for a personal reason for him. 
See, the, the, the personal reason was God had told him, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And so as long as he lived, he was looking for Messiah. The, the reason for us is because when he saw Jesus, he knew Jesus was Messiah. And Luke includes this story in his telling of, of the birth of Jesus so that those who are reading the story will understand nobody's making this up that Jesus is the Messiah. No, even people, even people who are Jewish in background and yet are devoted to hearing God's Messiah's message like Simeon, the strange man who went to the temple every day looking. But on this day, on this day, when Jesus had been born in Bethlehem a few days earlier. And now, shepherds have gone away and they've told all the story. And Mary's marveling and wondering in her heart. Luke lets us know that being devout Jews, Joseph and Mary make the trip into Jerusalem, into the same place where this Simeon is wandering through the temple courts. Listen to what happens when they all meet. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the spirit into the temple and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms. He took Mary's baby up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. See, when, when Simeon saw past all the other babies in the courtyard and Simeon looked into the face of Mary's baby, that voice inside of him, the one he had learned to hear, to discern the difference between it and all the other voices, that voice, the voice of God, said, Simeon, this is the Messiah. See, when, when, we're, when we're in the midst of a world of oppression, when we're in the midst of a world of pain, when we're in the midst of a world of isolationism, when we're in the midst of the kind of world we live in right now, what we have to learn to do is to hear the voice of God and know when we actually see God at work. Because remember, the kingdom of God is not just something that's coming in the future. No, no, the kingdom of God is a present reality. And you know where the kingdom of God is? The kingdom of God is not in any country or political party. The, the, the kingdom of God is not in any socioeconomic level. No, no, the kingdom of God is in the heart and mind of the people who believe in Jesus. If you believe in Jesus, if you've given your life to him, you are a part of the kingdom. The kingdom exists inside each of us who has accepted Jesus, who is allowing our spirit to be shaped by his spirit so that we hear his voice and not the voice of the world. And when we do that, when he begins to work in us, he promises us the same kind of things he promised Simeon. He promises him peace. You say, well, what do you mean, pastor, peace? Well, see, in, in the Hebrew culture, uh, the, the word peace, the word that's translated for peace out of, the, out of the Hebrew into the Greek is a word in the Hebrew called shalom. And shalom means wholeness. Shalom means that it's completed. Shalom is this ultimate wish. So when someone says to you, shalom, they're wishing you to be complete in who you were intended to be. Shalom is this sense of well-being, this sense of wholeness. And that, my friends, is where real peace comes from. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. Peace is the embrace of holiness and wholeness. And so Simeon, who's longing to hear what God has for his life, 
being devout and righteous, obeys and looks and listens and goes to the place he logically thinks he could see the Messiah, and he does. And when he does, he declares this amazing thing. God, it's okay, I can die now. I, I have seen what you promised me. I, I, I am whole. I am complete. I have experienced shalom. I have experienced peace. This Advent season leading up to Christmas, we're talking about the fact that light wins every time. No matter how dark the world seems, no matter how bad things are, light wins. And light, well, Simeon said it, this is the light of revelation to the world. For the world to know that Jesus is the Christ. You see, Christmas is that time. The reason it resonates so much with us is yes, it's about love, and yes, it's about family, and yes, it's about all the wonderful things we have, but the reality is it is mostly about shalom. It is mostly about wholeness, but it's a special kind of wholeness. See, it isn't just a wholeness that says, okay, I got mine. I'm, I'm whole now. No, no. It's a wholeness that understands that the Lord taught his disciples how to pray. You remember the Lord's Prayer? Maybe you've prayed it like a million times somewhere. You know? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hear it? Remember? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, those, those pronouns are not like by accident. The, the tenses in, in, the, in the Greek language in which the prayer is written down, the, the tenses even in the Aramaic behind the Greek language, the language that every everyday people would speak, that, that prayer, and that prayer actually comes from a Hebrew root system, verbally, linguistically. And in every one of those, it comes in the present tense. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth right now as it is in heaven. So Simeon sees the fulfillment of a personal promise. He sees the Messiah. And when he sees the Messiah, now, now, Simeon, now Simeon responds to what he's seen out of this peace out of this wholeness, out of this shalom, because you see, light wins with wholeness that hopes. It's not about just you becoming so holy that you look different from the rest of the world. No, no, it's you becoming so holy that you want the world to be holy. When you wish somebody a Merry Christmas, it's not just a regular greeting. You're wishing for them the experience of Christ that you've already had, if you've had that experience and light wins with peace. And peace comes from shalom. And shalom means wholeness. And you, you as a follower of Jesus are called, I as a follower of Jesus am called to live in that wholeness, to live in that connection, to live in that place where, where what we are doing is guided by God's spirit at work in us Listen to it again, those words that Simeon said. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, and he was waiting, I love this word, for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel was, a, was the comfort of Israel, and the comfort of Israel was to be free from Roman oppression. It was to be free from being oppressed by anybody. No one who lives in oppression lives without the need and the desire for consolation, to be comforted, to be free. And the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he's wandering through the temple court, looking at every baby and looking kind of creepy to people, and then he sees Jesus. Think about it like this in your life. Maybe that's an image for your life. If you're looking for God, if you're searching for God, 
you're walking through your life and you're going to all kinds of places and to some people you look a little bit creepy, okay? And you're just trying to figure out what's going on and why is it happening? And then, and then whatever takes place, suddenly you see Jesus. Oh no, I, I don't mean that you have a, a vision. I, 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 don't, I, I don't mean that, that Jesus becomes incarnate again and walks up into your life. No, no, what, what I mean is you see his kingdom now you see Jesus in somebody else, in the way somebody loves somebody else, in the way somebody cares for somebody else, in the way somebody walks with somebody else. And you recognize that's not human. That didn't come. That loving somebody that much, being that merciful to somebody, standing with somebody that faithfully, all, none of that comes out of a human experience. It has to do with a divine encounter with Jesus, and it's in that moment, it's in that moment when, when suddenly you begin to experience real peace, not just the absence of conflict, not just a time of rest and renewal, no, 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 a, a, a shalom, a, a wholeness, because you see, light wins with a peace that completes us, that, that, that completes who we were created to be. That's why Simeon just cried out when he, when he said, you know what, God, I have now seen, well, listen, let's look at it again. He came in the spirit into the temple, and when the parents, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, which, by the way, you could read a little earlier in the same chapter. What they, what they were doing was bringing the sacrifice in. And by the nature of the sacrifice that Luke mentions, you know something about Mary and Joseph and their economic status. It was not a great sacrifice for most people. It was the smallest sacrifice that could be made, but it was great for them. Remember, they had left everything to travel to Bethlehem. And they bring in Jesus and at that moment, Simeon takes him up in his arms and blessed God and said, here it is, are you ready? Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Oh, this, this Christmas, I, I wonder how many of us can approach this season with the understanding that, that God has been with us so much. We have heard God's voice so much. He's led us to the places in our life where his kingdom is coming and his will is being done and things are happening in our life that are beyond our human explanation and we can look at God and say, God, you have brought me wholeness and you bring me completeness and that gives me peace. I will be honest with you. I've met people who live their life that way. I've met people who live with a sense of peace. And you know what I, what I find out about them? They're not controlling. They're not demonstrative. They just, they just live with a sense of peace. Many of you know that one of my, my major mentors was the campus pastor at Anderson College, and it was a college then, not a university, when I was a student. And many of you have been impacted by him if you've been around the east side over the years. His name was James Earl Massey. And uh, Dr. Massey's passing a few years ago was an interesting thing. My, my friend from college days, Dr. Curtis Paul DeYoung, happened to be with Dr. Massey in the hospital room when Dr. Massey left this world to be with God. If you ever knew Dr. Massey or sat under his teaching, you know that he was a man of great brilliance. He had memorized the New Testament, in the, the entire New Testament, in English and in Greek. Memorized it. In fact, so much so that when he would teach a, an intro to Bible class, he would never bring a Bible. That was the greatest pedagogical technique, teaching technique that you'd ever want to hear. He would say to a group of students, college students, correct me if I'm wrong, but in this verse, it says this. Bible started flipping open. We're going to find out if he's right or wrong. And he never missed a word. I, I asked him one time, 
in a private conversation. Dr. Massey, what, what encouraged you to, to memorize the scriptures in both English and Greek? He said, well, Carrie, you know, when I was in my younger years, I was drafted into military intelligence. When they found me in the military, they put me in military intelligence. He said, and I had lots of time. And, and I began to realize, well, what would happen if I didn't have a Bible? I, I need to know the Word of God in such a way. And so he memorized it. He said, and once I got the English down, the Greek was just the next step. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> but on the day that he died, my friend Curtis had been there on a study break from his assignment in ministry and went to the hospital, actually um, actually got to the hospital before Dr. Massey's wife arrived. But as the two of them sat with Doc, there was this moment Curtis was telling me about. He said, Carrie, it was just this strange thing. We're in the room, and we're having a conversation. And suddenly, Dr. Massey just lifted his eyes, smiled very largely, closed his eyes, and went to be with the Lord. He said, I'm, I'm just sitting there going, I think I just watched a holy moment. And, and what I, the reason I tell you that story is because when you find completeness, contrast that to the times, I, one time in particular, I remember walking into a, to a hospital room in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and as I came in, I heard this yelling going on, and, and there was a man from my church who was in in. And the operating, the prep area for an operation. And as I came in, I, I, I heard him and I, I called him by name and I said, hey, brother, what, what, are you okay? And he said, I'm gonna die, pastor, I'm gonna die. I said, no, I, I, this is not major surgery. They, I mean, they're just, it's something. He said, no, I'm gonna die. I said, how do you know you're gonna die? He said, all my children have come in here and talked to me. They never talk to me. I'm gonna die, pastor. I'm like, no, you're not. Let's pray. It was just minor surgery. He just couldn't handle the fact that his kids all talked to him. You know, he was just, whoa, what's up with this? And, and I've seen that kind of reaction, and then I hear Curtis talk about that kind of reaction, and then I've been in the places where, where I've, quite honestly, been standing next to people when they breathe their last breath, and I understand there is a place God can lead us to in which we suddenly understand a peace that passes all understanding because of the presence of Jesus in our life. And that's the peace that is the shalom. That's the wholeness that completes us. That's what, honestly, we're hungry for in our culture and in our individual lives. I mean, we want to be in a place where we can see Jesus and see God at work in the lives of people. Because you see, light wins with this shalom and light wins with this peace because light wins because light reveals who God is. In the midst of our pain, in the midst of our suffering. Two weeks from tomorrow will be Christmas Day. For those of you like me who have yet to start shopping, join me on the frenzy, all right? But, this year on Christmas Day marks the 160th anniversary of the writing of one of the most classic poems in all of American literature. It was written on Christmas Day of 1863 by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Many of you have perhaps sung these words. They were composed into the lyrics of a song, a song that's sung at Christmas. It's called, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. But if you've just heard the song and sung the words, and you don't know the setting, then you miss the meaning. You see, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow had been married twice by 1863. His first wife died giving birth to a child, a son. A few years later, he remarried to a woman he loved deeply, just as he loved his first wife. And that woman, in 1861, unfortunately, her dress caught fire. If you remember, there was no electricity in those days. Then things were lit by 
candlelight or lamplight. And in an unforeseen accident, her dress caught fire and the burns on her body were so severe that they caused her death. And so while grieving that, in the midst of a civil war in this nation, his son, his, his, his son chose to run away from home and join the Union Army, left his father a note, knowing his father did not approve of him joining the Army at his age, and yet the boy felt so compelled to do it. And in the fall of 1863, a little less than, a little more than two years after his wife, her, his, her, his son's stepmom's passing, tragically, he gets news that his son, who had left and they had not reconciled at that point, had been wounded severely in a battle. The good news of the story is that the boy would recover and their relationship would be good. The bad news is he had to walk through Christmas with that much grief. And so it was on Christmas Day, 1863, grieving the loss of two wives to death and the questions about his son's survival, that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote these words. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And I thought how as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men, till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, Goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. This Advent season, this Christmas day, whether your life is one like Simeon's where you're searching for God and wherever it is that you can find him, you're longing to find him. Or whether or not you're like Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, so caught up in the morass of your grief that you, that you feel as if there is nothing good left. Please hear again the song of the angels of peace on earth goodwill to all humanity to know that God is with you and he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. And this day and in these next few weeks, my prayer for you is that your heart will be strangely warm, that you will discover again power light to win over whatever darkness you're living in today. There is a song that we sing that uses a word that we've just turned into a name. The, the, the word is called Emmanuel, but it's more than a name. It's a proclamation. For Emmanuel means God with us. And this morning, 
I want to invite you, whether you're on campus or online or later this week on demand, to take a few minutes to either whisper that name, Emmanuel, or to sing it as we're going to do here on campus today. Would you stand with me and let's sing together? Would you pray with me? Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us enough to send your one and only Son, Jesus, to be born as a baby in a manger, to grow to be a man who could proclaim and testify and witness to the divine intervention into humanity and to make the promise that where we see him, we see you. Thank you for, for talking to Simeon, for promising him the opportunity to see your son, the Messiah, and for letting him proclaim to all of us how that young baby 
would become the light for our individual worlds and for our entire world of humanity. Thank you. And this year, as we walk the steps toward Christmas Day, walk with us is our prayer. But our greater prayer is that we will walk with you. For it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I want to thank Zach Pardue and Kaya Crabtree for lighting the candle of peace in our Advent uh, candles uh, or lamps uh, this year. And uh, I want to thank you for being here and being a part of our worship today. Go with God's grace and his peace. And university students, I know you have finals. I am praying you study well and get the grade you deserve. <laughs> I love you. All right. Go with God's peace and his grace. Well, we are so glad that you have joined us this morning for worship. Man, what a powerful service. And uh, I want to reiterate, as I have before, that uh, we want to be journeying alongside you this week. If you are somebody who could benefit from prayer, I would encourage you to fill out that connect form. When you do, there's an opportunity to let us know how we can be journeying with you in prayer. And uh, if you're somebody also who might benefit from a conversation or, or would like to talk about life or faith, uh, just let me know in that box where the prayer request goes, and I, I would be happy to reach out to you and connect with you at some point in the coming weeks. But um, special shout out to my good friend Wayne, who's in the hospital today praying for you. Uh, but for all of you going through whatever you might be going through today, know that we love you, we care about you, and we will look forward to seeing you all next Sunday.